Today's scripture reading comes from John chapter 4, verses 21 through 26, from the New International Version. John 4, 21 through 26. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am He. Abundant life, Christ left the light, the light of heaven, so darkness could be forgiven. Servant to be, himself did he, he gave his life to the Grants to us, to us, past measures to his incorruptible treasure, grace to set free, bequeathing me his purity, so that I might live abundantly. Abundant life, Christ pleads for us in dark temptations saves us from condemnation, rescued at sea, hope in that sweet story, saved so that I might live eternally. As the scripture reading said this morning, we know that Jesus said the worshipers of the Father must worship him in the spirit and in truth. But in Jesus's case, I want us to look at what does that actually look like? You know, how did Jesus worship? We're going to see from a few different examples from his life, how he worshiped and what that looked like kind of in a practical uh, perspective. So let's take a look at it. For starters, let's look at as a child, how did Jesus worship? Well, we have something about Jesus's own family from Luke chapter two. Uh, this is actually some of the just the very little amount that we have in any of the gospels about what happened during Jesus's life before he was the age of 30. This is one of those stories. Luke chapter two, beginning in verse 41. Every year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understandings and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So here in these few verses, we actually get a few things about Jesus's life and how he worshiped the father as he was a child. We see that in verse 41, it says that every single year, Jesus's parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. Now that was something that they were supposed to do, but we see that it was something that they did do. So that is something that Jesus did. Uh, apparently he would, uh, he would go with his parents to Jerusalem for this festival of Passover every single year. Uh, and by this, we can also kind of, uh, I guess that you would say, you could kind of assume that if they did this as part of their custom, uh, they did other things according to the law of Moses. Because, you know, let's face it, that's actually when Jesus lived. He lived and he died under the law of Moses. You know, it was Jesus' job to, to change things into, you know, what we call the Old Testament and into the New Testament. But during Jesus' life, he lived and he died under the law of Moses, and he followed it completely. And his parents, we see, were also faithful to it. That's why he went to this festival of this Passover that was connected to something they were supposed to do. In verse 42, we see again, uh, it talks about how he was 12 years old and that he went uh, up to that festival according to the custom. We see that his, his own family and he himself uh, participated in these customs, in the kind of spiritual life of what you would do if you were uh, living under the old uh, law of Moses. That's what Jesus did. We see that he went into this, uh, the, the temple courts. That's whenever finally his parents were able to find him in verse 46. Uh, that's where they found him. They found him in the temple court. So he went into Jerusalem and he went into the temple. And we see that he apparently stayed in the temple and he kind of was, was hanging around in the temple talking and he was listening to them and he was asking uh, these, these teachers of the law. Uh, he was asking them questions and all and talking with them. And then in verse 49, he makes a very interesting statement to his parents, which uh, it doesn't seem like they quite get exactly what he means by that. But he says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And him making that statement about being in his father's house, he's talking about the temple right there because that's where he was. He was in the temple courts. He was in his father's house. Now, his parents, of course, they knew that he was the son of God and they knew that he was a special child. But it seems like they still were, were trying to figure out exactly what this is going to look like. I mean, try to put yourself in their position. Um, how would you take it if your child was the son of God and was stating these things to you? You know, it takes a little bit of time to process this information and figure out what exactly is going on. This had never happened before. Jesus chose during this time in history to come and to live as a human being. So it was kind of new to everybody, and he knew that he had to be in his father's house, and that's where he was. That's what he was doing. So he went to the temple, and he participated in the things just like any Jew living in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas would have done. That's exactly how Jesus and his family lived and how they responded. Now, we also get some examples about as an adult. How did Jesus behave as an adult? To that, I want us to look a couple chapters ahead to Luke chapter 4. Now, this is after Jesus um, has actually been baptized. And after he was baptized, he also went out 
uh, into the wilderness for the 40 um, days of testing, if you remember. But then after that, we get this story. So this comes right after those events right here in Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. Uh, I'm going to go throughout this entire uh, story for us to get the whole story, and then, which will be a few slides long, and then I'll go back and I'll make a few comments along the way. But let's take a look at this whole story together. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unscrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do hear in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel and in Elijah's day when the sky was shut up for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many, uh, and there were many in Israel with leprosy at the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and they took him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. So we see from, from this occasion right here, we, we learn a few things about what Jesus did, but I, I want to make mention about this slide, and then we'll go back to that first one that we started this story with back in verse 14. But see, in this slide right here, we see in verses 28 and 29, uh, and I guess also 30, uh, in these verses, we find out that the reaction of the people of what took place was they were furious. Why were they furious? They were furious because they weren't ready for these prophecies, for this scripture to be fulfilled. Because Jesus gets up, and, and he's going through just like a typical Sabbath day service in a synagogue. And it's his turn to read and he gets up and then he reads. But then what he does after he reads, that's where people have the problem. They have the problem because he sat down after he read that. And he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. See, they were furious. They weren't ready to accept the fact that this scripture was about to be fulfilled and, and was being fulfilled in their midst right then and there. They weren't ready for that. They weren't ready for the Messiah. Now, you might think they would be ready because for generations they have been expecting the Messiah of the Jews to come and to bring salvation. And then whenever he finally comes, they get furious at him. They don't accept him. They, they reject him. This is just typically what happened to Jesus within his ministry because people weren't ready. They weren't ready to accept the truth. They weren't truly ready to accept the Father. They weren't really oftentimes ready to worship him in the spirit, and in truth. But Jesus was. Jesus was willing and able and ready to usher in something new. Let's go back to verses 14 through 17. 
and let's see uh, some of the things about Jesus's worship that we can learn there. So from verses 14 through 17 of this passage here in Luke 4, we actually uh, see here that that it states in verse 15 that he was teaching in their synagogues. We, we see that that was something that, that Jesus did, you know. Uh, that's something that's uh, maybe a little bit foreign to us as to what it would look like in a synagogue. Well, from time to time in the scriptures, we actually get a little bit of a glimpse as to what that worship would look like. And, you know, it included things like reading of scripture and sometimes teaching uh, scripture as well. But that's where people would gather is in those synagogues in order to to hear and to listen and to speak and and to to listen to some type of teaching as well about what was going on uh, within the scriptures and also within their world and how it dealt with what was going on. So Jesus himself, he was teaching in their synagogues. And we find out from verse 16 that this was actually his custom. It says that on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So this is part of what he did. You know, it, it seems that he carried on that custom that his parents taught him. You remember back in Luke 2, we saw that it was the custom of his parents and his family to go to the temple and to participate in the old law, you know, the, the law of Moses and the different festivals that they had. Well, apparently Jesus continued that on whenever he himself was an adult. And if you want to, to find out more about this, you know, as you look through any of the Gospels, you find out that Jesus um, had several times in which he taught in their synagogues. And many times he healed. And the problem with that was they gathered together in the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And whenever he healed people on the Sabbath, that created a lot of controversy because they were trying to, to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Uh, a very strange accusation to at least my mind and probably to your mind as well. But they were trying to pin something on Jesus because they didn't like him. They didn't like that he was saying he was fulfilling scripture. They didn't like that he was healing people as well because, you know, that's actually the scripture that he said he was fulfilling. He actually was fulfilling it. And as he was fulfilling that scripture, it caused problems for people because things were changing and they weren't ready for that change. We have several examples whenever Jesus uh, was, was trying to get his people during his day to understand things were changing and something new was happening in their midst. But we do get glimpses throughout these about how Jesus worshiped and he went to the synagogue and he did things just like any Jew during his day would. But in addition to that, we also need to find out something else about Jesus. We need to recognize that Jesus was coming at a time in history whenever things were going to be changing. One example of that actually appears at another time of the Passover. You know, we looked, we started in a passage in Luke 2, wherever they were celebrating the Passover festival. Well, now we're going to go back to the Passover again, this time in Luke chapter 22. So in Luke chapter 22, I want to read to you this occasion here. You probably don't know this so much as calling it the Passover festival. You probably know this as uh, the title of maybe the Last Supper. It's the same thing. Things were changing. And sometimes these changes are, are the very thing that Jesus himself was bringing in. Look with me at verses 14 through 23 of Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. 
After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. You probably know the rest of the story. You probably know which one is going to betray Jesus. That's not so much what I want us to look at right now. What I want us to see is this intimate gathering that Jesus had, this other occasion of the Passover festival. And here we see that that ancient traditions, such as the Passover, which Jesus, we, we have record of it, that he's been doing this since at least Luke 2, and likely even beyond that. But at least from Luke 2 to Luke 22, Jesus has been celebrating the Passover festival. But this time in Luke 22, something's changing. The meaning behind the Passover is going to change. That bread that was a, a common element of the Passover festival it now is going to be representative of the body of Christ. And that cup, which was again a common element of the Passover festival, it's now going to represent this new covenant and Christ's blood. And we are very familiar with these uh, symbols today because we, we are reminded of them every single week as we take, as we surround that table and we take of the bread and take of the cup, we are reminded of the body, that bread, and also the blood, that cup that Jesus sacrificed for us and that he gave us that memorial so that we can recognize times have changed. But notice again, we still see that when we worship God, we're gonna worship him in the spirit and in truth. Even though there might be some changes from time to time, and, and Jesus most certainly did usher in a few new changes. But during these changes, Jesus knew that it wasn't going to be just always widely accepted. And he warned his apostles about that. In fact, John chapter 16, we're going to turn there. And in John chapter 16, we see a warning that Jesus gives. And this is right around kind of as Jesus is celebrating that Passover festival uh, with them. Uh, this is part of what Jesus shares in, in this very close gathering. He says this, beginning in verse 1. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. So in the first four verses of Luke chapter 16, and by the way, Jesus continues on and he tells him more stuff, but right here, we find out a few things about this, this warning. For starters, we find out in, in verse 2 that, that Jesus warns them there's going to be a time whenever they're going to put you out of the synagogue. If we continue on this story and pick up in the book of Acts, we see that it doesn't take very long before they do start sending out Jesus' disciples. They start putting them out of the synagogue. They start kind of trying to, to distance themselves from these people who are called Christians because they didn't understand what was going on. And Jesus also gave them this warning in verse 2 that, that it will even get so bad that they think that if they kill, 
these disciples of Jesus, that they're going to be offering a service to God. The Apostle Paul, again, in the book of Acts, he, he bears that out. And he most certainly thought that he was doing a service to God, but he wasn't. He was doing a disservice to God, and his eyes needed to be opened. But we find out in, in this passage, with this warning, that Jesus knew times were going to get rough ahead. But we also find out that, that there's, there's something about the disciples, that they were going to be continuing, at least in the synagogue, for a time. And they were going to have to be put out, and, and they were. That was something that the Jews did because they didn't like some of the things that the Christians were claiming. Mainly, they didn't like the fact that, that Christians were saying, Jesus has been raised up from the dead, and he was the Messiah. And the Jewish nation, they were the ones that put him to death. Of course, that means things for the Jews. That means that they're going to have to change their attitude. And oftentimes, that means they're going to have to change their actions of what they did toward Jesus and also what they were continuing to do toward Christians. Many times, they weren't ready for that. In fact, Jesus says in verse 3 that they're going to do those things because they've not known the Father and they've not known Jesus Christ. But whenever they do know Jesus Christ, whenever they do know the Father, we see them acting very different than the description that Jesus provides right here. But here we do see something about the type of worship that Jesus himself was engaged in. And also he's starting to hint at the type of worship that even the disciples later were going to take part in. But I, I want to share with you another thing. We're going to fast forward a couple more chapters from Luke 16. And we're going to, uh, I'm sorry, John 16. And we're going to see in John 18 something that Jesus says to the high priest. In John chapter 18, this is after Jesus has already been arrested and he's starting to give an account for, for what he has done. He says this statement in verse beginning in verse 19 and going through verse 21 of John 18. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. So this is among the, the questioning of the high priest, that he, he has some questions about uh, what Jesus was teaching and about his own disciples as well. And when you look at verse 20 and 21, Jesus makes this statement that he has spoken openly to the world. So you want to know something about the, the worship that Jesus was engaged in. Well, he was speaking openly to the world. We also see that he continues in that reply and he says, I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. So Jesus, can tarry, he continued on and carried on this custom that his parents taught him, that he would remain going to the synagogue and going to the temple where all these Jews come together. Why is that? He didn't want anything to be done in secret. He wanted to teach them openly. And he was very confident in his teachings as well, because in verse 21, he says, you know, why are you questioning me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Do you know what Jesus said well enough to, to testify about this? You know, Jesus apparently has faith in you and he has faith in me that we will be able to give an accurate account of those things that, that were taught us, that were taught to them by Jesus Christ. If you go back, you know, far enough. He says, ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. See, now it's up to us. Jesus has faith in us that we know what's going on and that we know the truth, that we know the things that Jesus taught. 
And tonight we're going to look into more detail about some of the things of what he said, some of these teachings. And we're going to look at a, a couple of occasions that, that he taught in greater detail uh, about worship and the need for worship. And then also next week, what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at those people who, who heard him. You know, in verse 21, he says, you know, ask those who heard me. Well, we're going to look at the example of some of those who heard him. We're going to look at that example of the early church and see how they worshiped God the Father and Jesus Christ. I hope you'll join us for that study as well. And I hope that, that we will recognize the important part that we play in this, that we are continuing on this story. Jesus has faith that we know the message and that we will openly proclaim it. Does that describe you? Does that describe me? It must. Come without money, come without price. Jesus has made the great sacrifice. Gladly he suffered our Calvary. He the great call, salvation is free. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Oh, sorry.